Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Hey, yeah. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, church. Man, I am so excited to be with everyone today. My name is Pastor J.F. Wilkerson, and my wife and I are co-senior pastors here at Church for All Nations, and it's, it's the greatest job I've ever had in my entire life, and I love it. I'm having so much fun, and, and uh, it's really, really been a phenomenal six months or so, and, and uh, how the Lord's uh, growing our body and the impact that, that you're making right here in this neighborhood is unbelievable. So bless you. Bless you. Hey, I wanted to let you know something. Today, right now, we have over 100 of our uh, students up at youth camp right now with leaders and, you know, a lot of people are out uh, with, at the youth camp. And man, I'm just getting all kinds of reports back how the Holy Spirit is really moving amongst our students, our young people. Isn't, isn't it awesome when young people get excited to follow Jesus and, and his teachings? And so uh, thank you for all of your prayers. So many of you have been praying for our, our young people. They get back, I think it's tomorrow, yeah? Um, so we, we're really excited about that. And I want to say quickly a huge, huge thank you to every person in this room. I said it in the 9 a.m. service. I want to thank you for your generosity. Some of you actually helped uh, sponsor uh, students to go to camp from, from this neighborhood right here, from across the street, down, down 112th Street. There are kids at camp right now who are having a radical encounter with the Holy Spirit because of someone in here that helped sponsor and finance this opportunity for, for these kids who would, who would never have the opportunity to go. So thank you, thank you very much. This is such a generous church. And man, I'm just honored and humbled and inspired by each and every one of you for your participation in Jesus stuff right here. I'm just reminded that the church isn't these four walls. You're the church. And when you leave here, the church goes with you, right? So I'm excited. Hey, I'm really excited today because I have my mama in town from Miami, Florida. Robin Wilkerson, doctor, by the way. Dr. Robin Wilkerson. She just finished her doctorate just a few months ago, and she pastors alongside my dad, Rich Wilkerson, Trinity Church in Miami, Florida, just uh, past the 20-year mark of service there in Miami, and thousands of people coming to Christ and discipled. Incredible thing. So she's in the house today. And then, and then we have the matriarch of our family. Lorraine Buntain in the house, too. So we love you. Mama, would you just stand to your feet? Would you just give them both a round of applause? Yes. Awesome. So make sure and just rush them at the end of the service and, and show them some C-fan love, right? We're, we're good at that. Hey, today, if you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. We're continuing our series that we started last week on the book of Galatians. And I mentioned it to you last week that I had a really creative title for my sermon. And some of you remember that it was entitled Galatians 1. Yes. And so today, the title of my sermon is Galatians 2. All right. And so we're going we're gonna to unpack that. And uh, what I, what I love, as, as we're, we're heading now into the, this, this, this celebration of freedom, 
living as Americans. And, and this week, really all week long, I mean, it's already started at my house. Dad, fireworks, dad, fireworks, dad, fireworks. I mean, we're, we're okay, son, okay, okay, daughter. You know? So, so we're, we're talking about freedom all week long. And aren't you grateful for the freedom that we have to even gather in this place and worship together for all of the sacrifices that so many went on uh, in front of us and did that. But in Galatians 2, Paul is talking about a different kind of freedom. And it's no coincidence that he's talking about what are we as followers of Jesus to do with this freedom in him? How is the freedom that we have, how are we to use it? And since we're talking about freedom this week, I decided let's talk about that freedom, that freedom that has changed so many of you, the freedom, the grace of Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're going to unpack here. And I, I think about Paul, who he used to be, the mass murderer. He was a modern-day terrorist. He was the Osama bin Laden, if you will, in his day. He was an executioner of Jesus' followers. And he has this encounter with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ on that road to Damascus. And in that moment, everything changes in his life. He is saved, not by anything that he did, but everything that Jesus did for him and everything that he did for me and everything that he did for you. The gospel of Jesus changes him and he goes on to preach this gospel in the purest form. And the purest form of this gospel that he's preaching is you are saved by grace and not by your works. Someone in here needs to hear that today. You are spinning your wheels with your religiosity. You're spinning your wheels with your penance. I want you to know today that it doesn't save you. What Jesus did on the cross is the only thing that saves you. Are your wor works important? Of course they are. Because James even said faith without it is dead. So works are important, but it doesn't get you into heaven. It doesn't save you. It's everything that Jesus did for you. And Paul is writing to these baby Christians in this newly planted church that he planted in Galatia, modern day Turkey. He's left there. He put leadership in and, and he's, he's getting word. We talked a lot about this last week. He's, he's getting word that there's some false teachers who have, you have to do it like that, snaked their way into this fellowship. And, and they're teaching a false gospel. We talked about how there was this group of people, they were distorting the gospel. Some of them were denying the gospel even exists, that is even real, right? There were some of them that were deserting this gospel. They said yes, but then they said, nah, I'm, I don't think I want to do this after all. There, there, there are these folks that were saying, hey, hey, now that you said yes to Jesus and you've accepted this gospel, this grace, there's a few more things that you really need to do. What Jesus did on the cross, that was good, but you got to participate to be saved too. So I know you're 45, but in the lobby after church, we're going to have to circumcise you. Like literally, this is, this is what these were things. Now you're going to have to eat kosher. You're, we're we're going to insert all of our Jewish tradition into you, you, you ex-pagan Gentiles. And if you don't do this, you aren't really saved. And, and Paul gets wind of this. And he is not happy, right? You're going to see a lot of exclamation marks in this letter, all right? And so we're going to unpack it a little bit today. And 
Paul is urging the church in Galatia, as you walk in this freedom here, found only in Jesus, be aware of three things. If you're taking notes, here's the first one. Write this down. Number one, your choices. If, you're, if, you're, if you've said yes to Jesus, you're following him, you're experiencing this new freedom in him. Be aware of the choices that you're making from day to day, from minute to minute, from second to second. Why? Because they're important. They have weight. They can change everything for you. Be intentional with your choices. Let's go to the text here. Just a little bit more context. Paul has gotten word and, and, and he's, he, he, he goes and heads off to Jerusalem to meet with the leaders of the early church to just confirm that they're all on the same page, all right? That the gospel that Paul is preaching is indeed uh, the right one and that we're all on the same page here. So let's get to that, all right? Here, here we go. It says, then after 14 years, as Paul writing, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. Barnabas was his wingman. I took Titus, who was a Greek Gentile, along also. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. The Gentiles is Gentiles, anything other than a Jew. Okay, so that would be me and most of us in here. I wanted to be sure, here it is. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. I want to make sure I'm not doing all this for nothing, essentially, is what he's saying here. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy, here it is, underline this, on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. Stop right there. This, what Paul... Paul is referring to every other world religion that's in our world right now. Because here's the thing. If, if you accept a false gospel, you will spend your life as a slave to the process of paying for your salvation. It, it, it will enslave you. Uh, uh, many years ago, I was in uh, Guatemala and we were downtown and it was, it was during the Easter season and we were sitting at a little coffee shop and I noticed Literally, hundreds of people crawling on their hands and knees, sobbing, putting their hands, blood pouring down their hands on their knees. And I was sitting there with a, with a, with a pastor friend there. I said, bro, what is this all about? And with tears in his eyes, he looked at me and he said, oh, JF, they've accepted a gospel that is false. They are paying they are paying penance. They're crawling from their villages and their towns to the local house of worship and they're bleeding and they're, and they're hurting themselves to somehow say they are, they are enslaved. And Paul says, beware of this. If we did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Preserved for you. I'm grateful that we live in a nation where we're fighting every day to preserve our freedom in the same way of our walk with the Lord. I mean, we have to preserve the purity of this gospel. He says, we did not give in to them. We did not allow their manipulation of the gospel to change the way we made choices to live free in Jesus. If you say that Christ has set you free, but you don't walk in freedom, are you preserving the gospel 
or are you perverting it? That is the question. I can't help but think that uh, I realize what, that what I do and how I see or communicate things has a real impact on the lives of my children. How many of you parents in here know that uh, you know, kids don't do what you say, they do what you do, right? And I was, <laughs> this has played out so many times in my life where I'll say something and they're like, ah, then I'll do something and they'll just copy me, right? Uh, my, my mom's in town, so I got to tell a couple family stories right here. I've got three other brothers. And my third brother, Graham, um, he was, at a, and as an infant, he was stricken with meningitis. In fact, to the point where he died uh, at Mary Bridge Hospital, and he was gone for 15 minutes, and they brought him back to life. And it was just, I mean, literally on the file at Mary Bridge, it says miracle, just across it. They, they don't understand how. And they said, your, your, your son's going to be a vegetable the rest of his life. Uh, aren't you gr- grateful that we serve a healing God? Because my brother Graham is not a vegetable. He's high functioning. But when you're, when you're gone for 15 minutes, your brain takes some punishment. You know that? So he has some, some brain damage as a result. But um, he, is, he, is, he is an active dude. And, um, but, but, but because of the setbacks, I remember growing up, he would, he would describe something and kind of make up, make up words for that thing. So for example, um, he, he called me Jojo my whole, he still calls me, hey Joe, he'll call me, hey Joe, it's Graham, you know? And he, so when we were little, he, he, he called blankets bunkies, all right? And so he would say, Joe, oh, I'll give him my bunkie, right? And I was like, oh yeah, well, I, know, I know what he means. He, he wants the blanket. He, you know, he was a big, uh, we're, we're big popcorn uh, people in our house. And whenever he, whenever he wanted popcorn, he'd say, he'd call it coporn. He's like, Joe, get me some coporn. You know, I knew exactly what he was talking about. And it's funny, last night, my wife and I and my mom, we were sitting on the back deck. And as my wife walked into the house, I literally, like, like serious as a joke, I wasn't making a joke or anything. I said, hey, Ash, can you grab me a bunkie on the way out? And, I, and she, you know, so, so I caught, I've, I've caught myself over the years using the wrong words to describe whatever that thing is, right? And to the point where I got a call from our, our, our son's preschool teacher a while back. And the preschool teacher said, hey, uh, JF, uh, this is so-and-so. I just, uh, Fulton asked today for a bunkie. And I, I didn't know what to do. Oh, I was like, yeah, it was a blanket, you know? And it was just, it's, just, it's just funny, even, like, even in that little that silliness and these habits that we get. I had distorted the word to a point that I had taught the word incorrectly to my kids, right? And Paul is really, he's in the same vein here. And he's saying, be very aware of the choices you're making. Please don't use the word bunky for the rest of your life. People aren't going to know what you're talking about or they're going to receive that information as Bible. And they're going to start calling it bunky when it's really not a bunky, it's a blanket. You see what I'm saying here? And this is what's creeping into this church in Galatia. And, and, and so Paul says, be aware of your choices because he understood that the choices that they made would literally affect all of history and how the gospel was presented to you sitting here today, thousands of years later, all right? So, so as you walk in this new freedom, be aware of the choices you're making. Here's the second one, we're moving along here, and that is your comparisons. Write that down. As you walk out, as you live, 
in this freedom of Jesus Christ, be very aware of the comparisons that you are making. What do you mean by that, Pastor Jeff? What I mean by that is there's a lot of people who spend their whole lives surfing their Instagram story. And they see other people doing things with their lives and they say, oh man, well, he has a microphone. Oh man, she's running this whatever. And they say, yeah, I'm not that. No, no, no. I want you to know something. We're gonna read the text right here. We are all what? One body with arms and legs and nose and ears. And every part of the body of Christ is equally important. And I'm gonna confirm that right now. Look at this. Galatians 2, 6 through 9. This is what it says. Paul's writing this, man. He's fired up. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. Underline this next sentence. God does not show favoritism. He doesn't show, well, pastor, you're up there and you have a microphone. You, you talk to hundreds of people on set. I'm just, I'm doing my part. But how many of you know I can't do this without a bunch of people holding babies right now? right? I can't do this without people helping in the parking lot and teaching Sunday school as we speak, right? At our kids' nation. We're all in this together because God shows no favoritism. And look at this, what he says here. They, they, meaning the leaders, leaders, the bishops, if you will, they added nothing to my message. So Paul rolls into town because he wants to be affirmed and he wants to be clear that nothing has been uh, added to, his gospel, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, it, and, and they said, no, you're, all, you're right on track. We're with you. Look at this. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised. Meaning the assignment that God gave Paul was to share the gospel with everybody outside of the Jewish people. Now watch this, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. So Peter and his homies, they go to the Jews. Paul and his wingmen, they go to the Gentile. Now watch, for God who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the Jew was also at work in me equally as an apostle to the Gentiles. Verse nine, James, Cephas, and John, these are like the bishops of the early church. Those esteemed as pillars, they gave me and my roadie, my homie Barnabas, the right hand of fellowship. I, I, I wish I could spend 30 minutes on just the symbolism of the right hand in the ancient world. They, they, they affirmed us is what he's saying here. Barnab- the right hand of the fellow, when they recognized the grace given to me. And look what they said. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles. And they, meaning Peter's crew, to the circumcised. God doesn't show favoritism. No one assignment is better than the other one. In fact, Theodore Roosevelt said one time, uh, comparison is the thief of joy. It's the thief of joy. In our house when we were going up, uh, we did this crazy thing on Thanksgiving where our family would all get together and after we ate, we would put on a talent show and you had to participate in the talent show. Now you could, you could do like 50 push-ups, you could sing a Whitney Houston song, you could dress up and whatever. And it was just pandemonium, it was a blast. And I remember one year, uh, we were little, little guys and there was this TV show 
uh, that we watched every Saturday morning that we are just addicted to. And my mom's sitting here. I'm, I'm, I'm actually surprised she even let us watch this show because it's really dark. And this, t- this kid's TV show was called Pee-wee's Playhouse. Remember the show Pee-wee's Playhouse? It's like 42-year-old man with red lipstick on and a suit. And, ha, ha, Pee-wee's Playhouse. You know, like I can't do the voice. But, but I remember... We love this show, you know, and so this, this, on this particular Thanksgiving, we decided that we wanted to, we, we wanted to put on that show, right? And so we were going to do an episode of Pee-wee's Playhouse, and Pee-wee's Playhouse had several different characters, and so, of course, I was the oldest, and so I was like, I'm the star of the play, all right, Pee-wee, so I'm going to be Pee-wee, and I started kind of giving people roles, my cousin Todd, right? I gave him the role of Cowboy Curtis. Now, Cowboy C- Curtis was probably the coolest dude in Pee Wee's Playhouse because he had like a cowboy hat, a fake horse, cool. I mean, just cool. And he was like, yes, Cowboy. So he got to, and his mom's sitting on the front row here too. Uh, my cousin Todd, Cow- he was Cowboy Curtis and I gave the other cousin something. And then I gave my brother Rich Jr., who's slightly dramatic. I gave him the role as Jombie the Genie. Now, at first, he wasn't feeling that because he was going to have to put makeup on like that. And I said, it's just, that's part of the role, man. He's like, no, no, I want to be Cowboy Curtis. No, no, you're, I got to be John B. the Genie. I don't want to do that. So after a long, I finally had to do it. And, and I said, bro, you're, you're like one of the main characters. You have to. He said, okay. So we did the whole thing up, put the box on his head. He was kind of sitting on a table like this, you know. So we do the whole play, man. His interaction being Cowboy Curtis and the whole family's laughing. It's a riot. We'd put up this huge, beautiful, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, like a cardboard backdrop with all this stuff we had colored on. And I remember my, we're doing the play and I look over the, on the table and the little, the box is like shaking, right? I give it him one line and the one line was Pee-wee, your wish is my command, right? So I could see the box sh- almost kind of like I need to do my line, right? For whatever reason, I forget, totally forget because he's just over there with the thing closed to do that part of the play, right? And so I kind of, all right, thank you everybody for coming out tonight. We love you. And everyone take a bow. And when I said everyone take a bow and everyone was applauding, I hear this, ah! And Rich jumps up and he rips the box off of his head and he screams, I never got to do my lawn. And he just literally tore down the entire backdrop and was kicking stuff over. And he was swinging his arms around. He's like, I wanted to be Cowboy Curtis. And he totally destroyed the entire set. We do this in our own lives, man. This comparison thing. How many of you know that we, you can't have Pee-wee's Playhouse without John B. the Genie? He didn't get that. And what did it lead to because he didn't understand how important his role was? Destruction. Comparison in your life always and only leads to destruction. Some of you are nodding right here. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You have wasted so much energy on this thing. There is no favoritism. You're receiving assignments from the Holy Spirit. Hey, go across the street, knock on your neighbor's door, ask him if they need anything. That is just as important as, as, as leading a minute or all that kind of stuff, right? God shows no favoritism. He's being very, very clear here about that. So it's our choices we have to consider and, and be very aware of and be very intentional about. It's our comparisons. And then here's the third one as the band comes back. And that is 
as you were living out your freedom, this true freedom, the purest sense of the gospel, you didn't do anything to deserve it. Just last week, I used that illustration of a parachute and just, just be caught up in grace. Allow yourself just to, just to float, sink into it. Just, let, just say, Lord, no, I don't deserve it. You're so good. You're so good. As you're doing that and you're living out this freedom thing, be aware of your crucifixion. You say, wait, I thought that was just, no, no, no. He did it. But look what Paul says here. Because here's the thing. It's not about ourselves anymore as followers of Jesus. Let's go to the text. Verse 15, chapter 2. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Now jump down to verse 19. Many of you remember this for actually 21 is where you'll be like, oh, I've heard that before. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been, underline that, have been. I'm gonna come back to that in a second. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now look at verse 21. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. If you could obtain this grace on your own, some of you are, are pursuing it in that way. And what you're, what you're communicating is that Jesus on the cross means nothing to you. Some of you just need a perspective shift today. Question is, what does it look like to crucify our flesh? What does it look like for Christ to live in and through us? Because I, I love this picture that Paul paints in our minds. This picture of because of what Jesus did, Paul says, I, I died. I, I, I'll get a little more dramatic. I, I was murdered. The old Paul is gone. It's dead. And now the father sees me as righteous. People see only a reflection of Jesus in and through me. Wow. Don't, don't miss that. Man, we glaze over this every once in a while. It's no longer old JF or old Jenny. No, no, no. I am grateful for the blood of Jesus that literally, literally executed that old self so that now I can live as a reflection of Jesus. And it doesn't stop right there. Jesus says, now, stop looking back. Yeah, I know, you, you're, you'll, you'll never forget some of this stuff, but man, I need you to go on assignment now. I need you to get to work. There's gonna be some tough times. There's gonna be some times where you cry and think about what, who you used to be, but let, let me, let, I don't remember any of that. And now I need you to be in my 
army, the Lord's army. I need you to get on my team and be part of the body and be a part of a small group and be a part of our outreach opportunities and be a part of our Nourish Food Bank that meets here every Wednesday. Be a part of being the light in one of the most broken counties in America. Aren't you grateful that we're here where we can, we can really be a part of the mission of Jesus right here in Pierce County? I'm telling you, this place needs Jesus and he's called you specifically. Let me read this one verse, give you one more thought, and then we're gonna pray. Second Corinthians, this is another letter that Paul writes to another church in a place called Corinth. This is what it says, Second Corinthians chapter three, verses 16 through 18. Paul's writing. He says, but when anyone turns to the Lord, now watch this, the veil is taken away. Some of you can remember that moment that like you encountered spirit of God and like there was this veil that you didn't even realize. There was like this, this, this barrier. And in that moment, the thing was like, whoosh. And it was like, oh my, I, I never knew that I could experience. You know what I mean? So Paul, Paul's confirming that. He says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed in his image, being transformed. I mentioned in the last text that, that, that phrase, have been. In the original language, in the Hebrew, that actually translates better to con, um, um, like, like, a, like a continuation, like, like a have, I, I continue, right? I, I, Paul even said it like this, I die to myself daily. It's like this process of being transformed. It's a life journey where every day you're looking more and more like him. You're experiencing him in a new light. We're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And Paul ends this chapter by saying and reiterating, if my salvation could be, <laughs> could be gained through religious acts, then Jesus would have died for absolutely nothing. And we're going to continue. There's a lot of great stuff in this book. But really the, 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 the continuation, the theme of, of this letter is he's saying, guys, stop majoring on the minors, right? Focus on the gospel. Focus on what Jesus did. It's not all your little extra religious acts and kosher meals and no more bacon and none of that stuff, man. It is. That's a problem too. I, I can't, it's hard to give up the bacon, right? He says, stick with it. One little, one little short story here. When I was 18, I had a friend, his name was Brandon. And we were, we were both 18. And at 18, he got married to his high school sweetheart, 18 years old. Now I can remember being 18 and the idea of me getting 18, uh, married at 18, that's not going to happen. All right. Like that's, pro that was, that's problematic. I would not, that would have lasted about six months if I got married at 18, right? And because I was dealing with my own garbage, my own crap, I started to think, well, that's, that's not gonna work out for him. There's, there's no way, but he, he pulled the trigger and got married. And by the age of 20, he had already had his first son. And I'm like, man, what are you doing, man? I'm like, I didn't say this to him. I'm thinking to myself, you're bringing a human, you're only 20 years old. I mean, this is, what are you going to destroy this kid's life? This is, how, this is my little 18-year-old mind, right? How many of you know that uh, 
last night I'm scrolling through uh, my Instagram story and my friend Brandon's right there, married, still married to the same woman, five kids. A couple of them are off to college, okay? I've got just little kids, right? I didn't get married till late, my late, tw- late, late 20s. But, but I was thinking about that, oh my word, you know? I just, I thought to myself at 18, man, pulling the trip, it's gonna be too hard, it's too daunting. All the responsibilities of being a husband, all the responsibilities and the discipline that's required to be a father. At eight, there's no way, right? And, 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 and I was talking to him not too, too long ago. And I said, bro, like, I, I didn't think you guys, you know, I didn't know if that would work, man. And it's worked out pretty good. He was laughing, you know. And he said, man, something happened when I held my son for the first time. It just, it all made sense. It just all like, all of the requirements and all of this stuff, and like it didn't. And I was like, whatever, that's, a, that's silly. You know what I mean? It's too, it's, that's so, and then you know what happened to me, <laughs> right? I held, I held my daughter for the first time and all of the, I don't know if I can do this, all of the, uh, it, the leading up to it, you know, all the, the discipline that's gonna require out of me, all the stuff I've got to learn, all the stuff that I got to let go, right? Got to go to bed early, up in the middle of the night, all that stuff. Like that was my, I don't know if I'm going to pull off. The second I held that little girl, man, all of that stuff just kind of went, and it was like, I got this. This is what's most important. Like this is the deal. And how many of you know all that other stuff you got to have? If, if you don't have it, you're going to be a crummy parent, Right? You've got to have all that stuff. But when, when, you, when you fix your eyes on that little girl, man, it all makes sense. And all of this stuff kind of naturally works itself out. This illustration applies directly to your walk with Jesus. Some of you last week, we, did you know this? Some of you weren't, that weren't here. Last week, how many people said yes to Jesus 40 people last week raised their hand and said, I want to accept Jesus. And maybe that was, maybe you're in this place today and you're one of those people and you raised your hand and the, like Paul said, the veil was lifted. And I was like, whoa. And your eyes like, whoa, it's Jesus. And now a week later, you're sitting here and you're like, I don't realize what I just signed up for. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, some of my friends don't want to hang out with me now. I can't get smashed at, you know, the bar every night now. I can't, there's all these things, there's like requirements, right? But here's what I want you to know. All of this, and all that stuff matters, right? I gotta come to church now and be in small groups and all this kind of stuff. And for some of you, you won't say it out loud, but you're like, this is daunting. And why is it daunting? Because you've never experienced anything like that before. But here's how I wanna encourage you in all of that. Just fix your eyes on Jesus. And the more you do that, the more you pursue him, the more you uh, absorb his teaching, but not just his teaching, his spirit. His spirit is alive. And the more you do that, all of the, you know, Paul, Paul's kind of main theme throughout the epistles is like this pursuit of holiness, which is really important, but it makes even that much more sense and it becomes even that much more natural as you just Keep your eyes on him and continue to, pers- um, to pursue him. And every day, crucify that old JF, that old Bob, that old Jenny. Every- Wake up, Paul. Paul did it. He said, I'd die to myself again today. Lord, 
today. I'm going to focus on today. I'll plan for tomorrow, but I'm not, uh, there's no guarantee. I'm going to, I'm going to do, I'm going to live right now. Focus in this moment. And I'm going to pursue you in your spirit. Because when I do that, I begin to look a whole lot more like him. All right. Would you bow your heads as we close? Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.